to talk a little bit about new life, or the beginning of a new life particularly. Um, the, the talk that I'm giving here is uh, largely based on talks I might give in Africa uh, when we talk to uh, new people over there and we get a, a group of people together to uh, talk about the uh, um, salvation experience. And uh, perhaps uh, just with doing that as much as I have over the last few weeks, um, it comes to life to you. There's nothing quite like preaching the gospel for bringing alive the gospel. If we're not preaching it, it's very hard for it to be something that's vibrant in our own lives. So the more we talk, the clearer it becomes and uh, the stronger the vision about what God is doing through the salvation experience that we have. Um, at one time there in Liberia, uh, we're talking to a group of about 20 men. We're sitting around under a tree. Uh, you have to choose your tree carefully there. There was one time where the sun was coming across and the, the brothers said, we want to move. And they said, oh, let's all just bunch up. And I said, well, why don't we move over to that tree? And he said, no, we can't move over to that tree. The mangoes fall off it. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, there was one time there, uh, the kids are running around in the... If a mango dropped off the tree, it was like gold. They'd race for it to grab it because it saved them climbing the tree to get it. And there was one time I said to one of the kids, um, actually, there's a mango just fallen down over there. And he didn't understand what I'm saying. So next minute, he's up the tree pulling mangoes off and bringing them to me. Um, <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, good feed of mangoes every now and again doesn't hurt, does it? Um, not quite the way we live here, but... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's nice. So we're sitting under this tree and we're chatting about uh, the things of the Lord and uh, we actually went through baptism uh, in a lot of detail on day one, day two. We went through uh, receiving the Holy Spirit in a lot of detail and uh, probably spent a couple of hours each time just going through all of the scriptures in the Bible talking about it. And to summarise it, I drew a picture in the sand, a bit quaint I know, um, but I paralleled three events the crossing of the Red Sea, Jesus' death and resurrection, and our baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure whether you're aware, all of those three events are perfect parallels of new life, a new beginning. And we read of the first one of those here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea... <coughs> And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, the gospel message is summed up in those four verses we've just read. The whole gospel message is there of the children of Israel, I know it uh, needs filling in a little bit. But the children of Israel, captured, if you like, in uh, Egypt, um, oppressed, needing uh, an answer to life, um, but troubled because there was no answer for them inside Egypt. And uh, God hears their cry and sends a saviour to them. In this case, of course, it was Moses that was raised up by God to lead the children of Israel. He performed miracles as uh, God worked through him and uh, used him to uh, bring the miracles about to 
Pharaoh. Uh, and then uh, from there, eventually the children of Israel came through the Red Sea. And I love the way this is described to us here in verse 2. It says, They were all baptised unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Do you get the graphic in your mind? As they're going through the Red Sea, a wall of water either side, fish swimming through it or whatever, sharks and and other sorts of creatures there, no doubt, whatever was there in the Red Sea, and a cloud above them. So it was just like baptism. They went into the water and they came up out the other side. And what did God do? The Egyptians pursued after them and he closed the water up over the top of the Egyptians and he cut off Egypt from the children of Israel. They could begin their new life. Now we know that Israel struck a few problems at that time in believing the promises of God, but nonetheless the promise was there for them. They went through the Red Sea, Egypt, their old life was cut off from them, and now they had the promised land that lay before them. The first type that we can see of salvation. In verse 4 it says, Did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock uh, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So Jesus Christ was with them in their journeying about in the wilderness. When they needed water, then Moses was able to speak to the rock and water came out. I think the first time he was told to strike it, second time he was told to speak to it, and the water came out of the rock. Their water supply was assured. Just turn back to John chapter 7 briefly, starting in verse 37. We read, In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It's just like that description, isn't it? Water coming out of the rut, gushing out, supplying the needs of the children of Israel. In their case, it was a natural spring of water that provided their life. Uh, you can't live without water. They say, what is it? Um, what's the ratio? Three days? Three days without water? And three weeks without food or something? Something like that anyway. But you can't go very long without water. And so it is also new life in the spirit. We need the water of life, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We read in verse 39, But this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Um, again, there's so much of a message contained in these few verses. It's telling us about the need of the Holy Spirit to quench the thirst that we have in our life. Many people walk around in this life, they're parched. They're looking for an answer. They need a good drink of something that's going to sustain them that brings about a good life for them. And the Holy Spirit is the thing that will bring that to them. We also read that uh, at this stage, Jesus is speaking about something in the future. It hasn't taken place at this point. And uh, so it's something that's to come. We know that on the day of Pentecost, as the uh, disciples with 120 there were gathered in the upper room 
and they're praying for the Holy Spirit. They had no concept of what was about to happen. They knew they were going to receive the Holy Spirit. They were told to stay in the room and pray until such a time as it came upon them. And so they're praying in the upper room and suddenly they're filled with the Holy Spirit. It all made sense. Jesus had been telling them about it. Now it was actually happening for them as well. The living water pouring forth from them, from their innermost being or their belly as it's described. Uh, And the water of life was in their life as well. So when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 there, uh, we can see the precise parallel between uh, Jesus and uh, what he's teaching his people as to uh, the children of Israel going through the Red Sea and the rock of Jesus Christ that's there to provide the living water in the same way as we read here in John chapter 7. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, uh, I'd have to say um, whenever I'm over in Africa, this would be my favourite passage to talk about because it's, uh, again, so clear. Um, and I'm amazed how many people say to me in talking of John chapter 7, they'll read verse 3 to 5. Some will quote verse 1 to 7. A lot of people talk about the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. But I think the one verse we must always also keep in mind and read whenever we're reading this uh, passage here is verse 8. Because verse 8 contains such important information about receiving the Holy Spirit. Let's start in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you doest except God be with him. Uh, Nicodemus, of course, coming to Jesus in a way that uh, he just wants to have this conversation with Jesus. Um, He comes to him by night, so it's secretly. Um, He doesn't want to be seen. He's a ruler of the Jews, it says. He's uh, somebody in a senior position, and so perhaps it's a bit shameful. Maybe there's some threat for anybody who spoke to Jesus. We don't know exactly the circumstances, but it uh, certainly prompted Nicodemus to see Jesus by night on the quiet, and Jesus doesn't really quite respond the way that Nicodemus maybe was expecting. Jesus just comes straight out and says, okay, you're here for a reason, let's get to the point. Let's not beat around the bush here. This is about being born again in verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The words there, except a man be born again, literally means born from above. It's not born naturally, but it's born from a higher power, something greater than ourselves. And unless we do this, we cannot even see the kingdom of God. It's as if it doesn't exist. We're blinded to see the plan and purpose of God in our lives. In verse 4, Nicodemus follows suit. He gets on board with the conversation and he says unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus again thinking quite naturally about the birth process uh, and seems quite natural what he would uh, ask there. You can't really do this a second time uh, to be born again in a natural sense. So in verse 5, Jesus explains, Verily, verily, 
I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And even if we just drew a line there and said, let's just stop there, then now we know the answer to life. To a new life, we need to be born again. We need to be baptised in water. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is the born again process. And when we do that, we enter into the kingdom of God. And uh, I often uh, describe a little parallel two years ago. You, um, you can be uh, going to the Commonwealth Games, given that that's on right now. You can be a very fast runner. You can get beside all the starters on the racetrack. But if you're not in the race, it doesn't count, does it? You can be the first one across the finish line at the other end. But if you're not in the race, that's not going to count. You've actually got to be registered. You've got to be on the racetrack legitimately and go when the starter's gun goes and cross the line. Otherwise, you're not in the race. And so it is with being born again. If you're not born again, you're actually not in the race. You can't cross the finish line and have the promise of eternal life, as uh, the Bible brings out. We uh, need to be born of water and of the Spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. And uh, these are words that, as much as we read them and read them fairly regularly, they need to be fresh in our mind, don't they? Because it's our salvation, it's our excitement, it's our joy in the Lord of what God has done in our life. Who remembers the day when they were baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit? Who remembers as if it was yesterday? Now, just as fresh in your mind as it was yesterday. And it's good to see all those hands there. And uh, it's so exciting, isn't it, to think about and relive that experience. How the gospel was told to you, how you re- remember that time. It's almost like you can smell the air. It's just so fresh, um, exactly as it took place uh, to uh, in everybody's different circumstances, but to get into the water, uh, being baptised, maybe a bit of fear and trepidation. Am I actually going to receive the Holy Spirit? Is God going to do this in my life? I've heard about it, but I don't know whether it's really going to happen. And we go under the water. Maybe we're like Anne who can go skiing on a boat and get thrown in the water, but is scared of water. It doesn't quite add up, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, she wasn't getting in the baptism tank till she had a push, as we heard there, but she got baptised like us all and uh, we all received the Holy Spirit. Whether sitting in the baptism tank. Who actually received in the baptism tank? Hands up. One, two, three, four. Who received before? One, two, three, four, five. Who received afterwards? Oh, the majority. Okay. Um, So, all right. uh, We all received at different times. But God filled us with the Holy Spirit. And it's exciting when it all comes together and the realisation you've actually fulfilled everything that God wants you to for salvation. And this is the conversation Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came maybe to hear some words of wisdom or or some uh, perhaps uh, outline of the plan of God or when God's God's going to restore the kingdom to Israel or maybe some aspects of uh, uh, prophecy in the Old Testament. Maybe there were some aspects that Nicodemus really wanted to know and all Nicodemus got was this is what you need to do to be saved. Get born again. 
receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized, and enter the kingdom of God. And uh, he goes on in verse 6 to say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. I remember uh, the pastor that uh, spoke to Tony and I coming around and reading that verse to me, and uh, that for me was the proverbial brick on the foot moment. It was like, just do it. You know the Nike advert or the name Nike? You know what it stands for? What it means in the Greek? Just do it is what it actually means. Um, so Nike, uh, do it. Get uh, born again and uh, enter the kingdom of God. In verse 8, so the all-important verse 8, it says, The wind blows where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I often paraphrase this into more modern English because it makes a little bit more sense in a way. It says the wind blows where it wills and you hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Um, We've got no idea where the wind comes from or goes to. We can look at synoptic charts um, and predict generally the way the wind's going to blow when you're on the coast, maybe the wind's going to come from a certain direction in the morning based on the synoptic chart, and then in the afternoon, you know, it's going to swing around to the other side and it's going to blow off the ocean, um, and so you can predict, in some sense, where the wind's coming from, but you don't really know its origin or source, do you? And it's saying, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it's going to, but there's always a sign of the wind. And most people will say of the wind, you go and ask somebody to stand outside and tell me how you know the wind's there when it's blowing a wind. First thing people will say is, I can feel it. Well, Jesus didn't say that, did he? It's not about feeling the wind. Um, often they'll say, oh, you can see it. Well, again, Jesus didn't say you can see the wind. And I often bring people when I'm sharing the gospel to again read the verse. What is the sign that Jesus said of the wind that you're to look out for? And it says the sound, or in the Greek phono, uh, from which we get voice, the voice of the Spirit. In other words, what he's really saying to us is ignore the other signs. They can deceive you. Now a lot of people will say to you, oh, how do you know you've got the Holy Spirit? Oh, I can feel it. Well, no, that's not the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit. Or I can see it. That person's different. No, that's not the sign. There's only one sign that we're told is the identifying sign of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's the sound or the voice. Um, for those who study the uh, Scriptures and the, the Greek here in verse 8, what you'll actually know is that the word wind and spirit are identical. So it's the Greek word pneuma, depending on how you pronounce it, P-N-E-U-M-A, and uh, the wind blows where it listeth or where it wills or determines. We could actually read this verse a little bit differently. The spirit blows where it determines and you hear the voice of it. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going so is everyone that is born of the, again, pneuma or spirit at the end of the verse there. It's all about receiving the Holy Spirit and it's all about 
the one sign to be aware of and to know in yourself that you've received the sign, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. So when you read John chapter 3, it's so just simple and easy to understand as the gospel that Jesus Christ delivered and uh, right through to the very evidence that you've been born again. You can tick the box and say, I've done it exactly as God intended and as Jesus uh, made the way available for us. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, an all-important uh, passage as well in verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin." As we read earlier about so the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea and going into the water, the Red Sea, so to speak, uh, dry shod, the Bible says, a wall of water on either side of them, cloud above them, they're being baptised. They're dying to their old life in Egypt. Jesus died literally when he was put in the grave. He was crucified on the cross. His body was taken down when he was dead. He was put into the grave, but he rose again to a new life. We follow the same parallel. Whether it's the children of Israel going through the Red Sea and dying to the old life, whether it's Jesus literally dying to his life, uh, for us, thankfully, we don't have to go through either of those processes. We just get uh, baptised in water to bury our old life and to begin a new life. And so that's uh, as it's described to us here. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, in verse 5, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We've got a promise that we can look forward to. So if we've been baptised in water, then the promise is a new life that comes to us. And how does a new life come to us? Turn up to chapter 8 and verse 9. It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead shall dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Again, a verse or passage that should be very alive to us all. If we're baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's reminding us of the new life we've received through the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the burial of the old life, the cutting off, the ending of our old life, whereas receiving the Holy Spirit brings the new life. And uh, once we've received it, we have that new life that we uh, uh, are promised uh, by God through Jesus Christ. It's interesting that this passage is very important if also you happen to be witnessing to somebody who's a Muslim. Now you might recall on Sunday I mentioned that Sierra Leone is 85% Muslim, population there, 80 or 85, can't recall. Um, so very substantial number of Muslims and many of them have come to the Lord 
uh, in the church there. They've been baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, how do you witness to a Muslim about Jesus Christ? They're often quite um, confused, uh, and one of the uh, areas of confusion for them particularly is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they often are taught that it means God is three. There's three gods, and how can you have three gods? And that's what they're actually taught to believe. So when you talk to a Muslim, that's often quite an area of uh, confusion for them. But when you break it down, that uh, they actually know, the Koran says, that Jesus was raised from the dead. So they know that Jesus has been raised up. So that's the first point to establish with somebody who's a Muslim, that Jesus has actually been raised. You know why? Muhammad hasn't. He's still in the grave. So uh, there was nothing that he did after his death, whereas we know that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, what raised Jesus Christ from the dead? The Holy Spirit, of course. So if the same Spirit, as we read there in verse 11, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also enliven or quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. The whole purpose of Jesus Christ coming and uh, often to describe to somebody who's a Muslim how that uh, uh, Jesus had to be born of a woman. So the seed of God came into a woman to produce uh, the Son of Man, who was also the Son of God, but to produce the Son of Man that died as a man and that that seed could then be shared with mankind. And so through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, we've been able to share in that same promise of the Holy Spirit to bring new life to us. And we can enjoy a new life. But one thing to remember, baptism is a burial of the old life. And we've got to leave it there. And we've got to kill off the old man. Uh, I am crucified with Christ, we read in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. It's Christ alive inside us, the promise of the Holy Ghost that God has given to us that brings about a new life for each of us. just want to share a couple of testimonies with you just quickly and uh, thinking of a couple that um, uh, stood out to me when I was over in particularly Sierra Leone. And uh, Suleiman, you know what their name is um, in the Bible? Solomon, that's right. Uh, the uh, Islamic uh, people call him Suleiman. It's a, uh, in this case, he's a, a young man with a lot of energy for the Lord. Uh, a Muslim man who said he'd never known anything about Jesus, but when people did raise the name of Jesus, he would just get angry with them um, because he didn't understand it. And uh, he, he told in his testimony how he was a womanizer. Um, he attended a, a Christian church, as it ter uh, turns out, where about seven years earlier he um, he started to believe in the God of the Bible and started to see some change in his life, but he was still involved in immorality and other things that uh, were not good. And eventually he met uh, Pastor Paul, the senior pastor there in um, uh, Sierra Leone, and uh, when the gospel was shared with him, he knew that he hadn't been born again. 
So John chapter 3 really stands out to a person if they've not been born again and you take them through the scriptures there. Um, it led, uh, even though he had some questions and doubts about it all, once Pastor Sammy arrived and he went through the scriptures again, he was then baptised by Pastor Sammy and uh, received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. And you see this man standing before you with a, an absolute fire in his belly for the things of God. He's been changed completely. And uh, just wonderful to see some of these brothers, like Suleiman, actually just so zealous to preach the gospel. And uh, as much as we would sit with a group of people, when we were busy doing other things, you'd see these brothers, like Suleiman, sitting down and sharing the scriptures and going through the Bible and sharing with people the gospel message. His life has now completely changed and he recognises it only came through receiving the Holy Spirit. His lifestyle from before has completely left him and now he believes absolutely that he is the temple of the living God. Those were his exact words. To recognise God is now alive inside him because he's received the Holy Spirit. And it's so different to his past uh, beliefs. Um, Abu uh, was an older gentleman. Um, the life expectancy in a place like Sierra Leone is mid-50s. I've reached my life expectancy. Uh, if I was uh, living in Sierra Leone today, um, and uh, Abu's outlived his, he's a few years older. Uh, he was also brought up as a Muslim, uh, although he attended a Catholic school as a child. Um, his testimony is really quite interesting because when he was quite young, he had a dream in which the message was, you need to read the Bible, John chapter 2 and chapter 3. And so he read it, and he read about being born again, and then it just left him. He just carried on with his life. So what happened later on, of course, is when um, he was invited to go to Liberia along with four other brothers from uh, this group and they came over there and that's where uh, we had our first contact with them back in November last year and Pastor Sammy and Pastor Bob Hutton were there and uh, going through the scriptures, of course, he was shown John chapter 3 and immediately he connected it with that dream that he had all those years ago and uh, realised that message was for him eventually for the future when he too would have that same experience. So as the scriptures were shared with him, he then just knew what he had to do to get baptised and receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. He was absolutely thrilled to have had this experience. And again, another man, this time uh, older in life, but just so enthusiastic for the things of the Lord. I saw also a couple of young guys, uh, two that came to mind, Francis, a 19-year-old, and Joseph, a 17-year-old. And also in Liberia, there were quite a number of young guys that we uh, met with in their 17, 18, 19, 20, or early 20s, and uh, all just very, very enthusiastic for the things of the Lord. And these two particular brothers, um, Francis was baptised by Bert Schenk from uh, Holland, and uh, Joseph by Pastor Sammy, both received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues immediately, as often Africans do. You just lay hands on them and they start uh, praying and very quickly they're speaking in tongues. It's just incredible how easy they receive the Holy Spirit. Um, Francis just relayed how 
he was so resistant to the gospel when he first heard it, but then he gradually recognised it as the truth. He could see it all made sense. The scriptures were adding up the different passages that they were shown in the Bible were consistent, and so it was compelling the argument that was being presented to him. So uh, that led him to being baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. Joseph had a slightly different problem in life. At 17 years of age, he was actually heavy, heavily influenced by his friends, his worldly friends, as it were, um, into a bad lifestyle. And he just knew it wasn't right, but he had no strength in himself to actually change his life. And so for a 17-year-old, you can just imagine how good it was for him to actually be baptised, to receive the Holy Spirit, to speak in tongues, and then know he had the strength to resist the peer pressure to do things that he really didn't want to do. And so he was freed from that. And when we read, uh, for example, in Romans chapter 8 again here, um, we're told there in verse 10, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. When we get baptised, we kill off our old life, and the practices, the habits and lifestyle that we had before, and we take up the new life that the Holy Spirit brings to us, the pure life. Now, we don't always get the picture on day one, do we? Um, we know that. But we move forward and our life changes from that moment. There are things that need to change immediately in some cases, and others we know that years down the track we're still dealing with them, but we're moving forward and allowing the Lord to change our lives. The new life that comes to us is a wonderful new life that God gives, and we should be relentless in our pursuit of enjoying the benefits of the new life. And all the people said, it's not something that's a once-off experience that we look back on, and as I said earlier, a little bit uh, cheekily in a way, we've ticked the box. We don't just look at it as something we've done like that, it's something that should be fresh and continually with us. Our salvation experience of being baptised and receiving the Holy Spirit and that we now walk in the ways of the Lord as we've been called to. Praise the Lord. Um, I better look for a scripture to finish on. Um, where should we go? Turn to James chapter 1, just as a last scripture there. A few others we could have turned to, but for time we'll just go here to finish. So James chapter 1, verse uh, 22, we're told, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now don't, don't deceive yourself, I guess, is the message we're all being told here by knowing what the word of God says but living a different life. Uh, in verse 23, But if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Uh, something, uh, a glass. Anyone know what a glass was made of back here? Sand? It is today, but not here. It's actually something very different. Highly polished metal, top of the class. <laughs> Highly polished uh, brass or bronze, most likely, um, is what they would have used. Is that what you were going to say, Jan? Yep, very good. Top of the class as well, full marks. Um, Highly polished metals is what they would have used for a glass. They didn't have the technology back then for, for glass in the way that uh, we do today. But it says there, um, 
It's like looking into this in verse 24, for he beholding himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So as much as we look back and we can read scriptures that are very familiar to us about salvation, the reminder is tonight is don't just look at it, but let it be fresh, live it, let it be alive in our lives and don't be a forgetful hearer, but be a doer of the word and continue to allow God to work in our lives, to change our lives, to make our experience alive for each of us that we enjoy the fullness of everything that Jesus Christ died to give us and the Holy Ghost has brought into our lives and all the people said, Amen.